This episode features an interview with the infectiously high-spirited Matt Marino. Although we do not discuss Vygotsky directly, there's quite a bit here on helping children develop and quite a bit on Matt's own developmental path as well. Matt has a very interesting job and is in charge of finding and helping to hire some of Amazon's top employees. I hope you enjoy. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so here we are with Matt Marino, childhood friend, one of the great guys. And uh, Matt, I, it's it's great to see you, first of all. You as well. Always, always a pleasure to see you. <laughs> Where the heck are you? I am driving uh, from Maryland, White Marsh, Maryland, to Tom's River, New Jersey, to visit my father and to uh, teach him how to cook a little bit. Oh, beautiful! And he's a great guy. Please say hello. Um, what are you going to be? What are you going to be cooking? Uh, the basics. Right now that my mother is no longer with us, uh, I have to keep up the the meatballs and the gravy. Okay. Uh, you know, among some other things, some fish, I got to keep them healthy. So I'm going to teach them how to do some healthy proteins. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, uh, do you have a, do you have a pretty good gravy recipe? Did you pick it up at any point? I have my mom's. Okay. And it's not a recipe. (laughs) It's guidelines. Yeah. 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 As most Italians have. Yeah. More of a loose Um, system than a, than a finite. Yeah. That's it, Anthony. So it's, um, you know, I know that I know the steps to take. I'm not quite sure of the measurements, but that that pretty much goes with uh, my everyday, right? You just kind of wing it and hope that it comes out okay. Yeah, you, tr- you trust that you have the basic direction, and uh, you also have enough experience of improvising. I think in in various realms that you know it's going to work out pretty well. And if it doesn't, attitude will make up for the rest. And and love, the yeah, love that yeah. I put in will be okay. Absolutely. Have you made this before? I have many, oh, okay. many, many times. Okay, so you have feedback. I do, I do. From wow. tough critics. All right, good. For example, <laughs> for for instance, who's a tough critic? Six-year-old. Okay. Will tell you pretty much straightforward um, what's good and what's not. Uh, and a wife who's a Greek. Who okay. Is around good food her entire life. Yeah, yeah. Grew up okay. on Mediterranean food. No joke. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's and it. and also so, probably very direct and maybe brutally honest as well. <laughs> <laughs> At least very when it comes direct. To food. Very direct, Anthony. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I don't know if you wanted to really linger on this topic, but that's that's really a beautiful thing. Just you know, your it mom re- your mom recently passed, and uh, and uh, obviously that's tough for everybody what a, what a great woman at least as far as I remember and you light up every time her name is mentioned and uh, so this is a beautiful thing to uh, obviously food you know food you know that's a big part of my world in my professional world throughout half my life you know food is I know great, it is I know it is and you know anything carrier of many things yeah. <laughs> I say the only time if you think about it, there's not too many times when you're eating dinner 
that you cooked, especially when things are pretty good mm. for that 45 minutes to an hour, right? And you, and you tend to forget about some of the other things that might not be so good during your day. And it's a time for, as you know, and I grew up together in the same way. Dinner's important with your family. You know, we make it a, we make it a point to sit at the table together and carry on the tradition that my parents gave us with eating and, and talking and how's your day going and what'd you hear that was funny today? What'd you hear that was sad today? Uh, you know, those are all the types of questions that I'll, I'll bring up in, in our dinner. And, you know, it's, uh, I think it's a lost art now with the way the world is. I don't think there's a ton of that in the generations anymore where people will eat and discuss. And it's, it's in more an, ev an event rather than just functional eating. Yeah. I, I've uh... I've had, I've had times, yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. I, I sign off on that. And uh, there have been times where I've had a really hard time getting, getting conversation going at the table, not, not between my wife and me, but the kids just getting them to talk a little bit. And uh, I don't know if you can relate or, or if it's totally different. Well, that's why I'm laughing. It's why I'm <laughs> laughing because sometimes it's literally like pulling teeth and you feel like they have somewhere to be. And they don't, but you feel like they have somewhere to be, and you're interrupting their six-year-old day. Yes, and how dare you, yeah. How dare it, you. Yeah, and, and my kids are going to be seven and ten. They're six and nine now, so I can relate. Yep. Do you have, do you have any, uh, any tricks in your bag? I mean, I know, I know as a dad you've got quite a few tricks. You've told me a handful before, although, although you know why I record these conversations? Because my memory yeah. is so bad. My memory is so awful. Mine is going to, Anthony. Mine is going to. If I don't record it, I don't remember what anybody said. I love it. I wish I could record my life. Honestly, I wish I could. I could record my life on a on a twenty four hour basis. I think it would be a hysterical show because I am exactly the same person that you see now that is with my kids. You know, with my work and coworkers, my family, it's the same. The same person. Everybody always tells me that is that you are exactly the same when you're talking to work. I hear you. The people I send. So that's. I think the. You know, it's. Uh, I don't know. I just. I feel like I could record myself all day long, and I would love it. I would love it <laughs> to watch it back. I think it would be. Like almost like a Three Stooges or like a, a Laurel and Hardy film, and I think it would be hysterical. You, I, I may do that still. I assume you're aware that probably most people do not feel that way, and, and, and most people, the thought of them recording all day would be like kind of horrifying. So I would love I, I'm it. not I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but uh, you're a little bit out of the norm here. <laughs> what would what, what, what do you attribute that to? Um, obviously, you, obviously you like yourself, so that's good. But wait, you said I'm a little. I'm saying one more time, Anthony. The first it's a, part. It's a little out of the norm for people to be uh, so eager to watch oh, themselves back. Uh, you know what it is? Um, I don't. I don't regret anything I've done in my life. Uh, I don't apologize for things that I, you know, that are not that's something I do wrong, obviously. But I mm -hmm. just 
feel like this is my life, right? And I live it every day. I put up with garbage. Um, I have a million happy times. You know, you know with sports, that's a giant component to my life. And I'm unfiltered. I'm unfiltered and I, I don't feel like I need to be filtered. You know, I'm not rude. I'm not, uh, I'm not racist. I'm not prejudiced. I don't care about any of that. Like literally, I don't care about any of that. <laughs> yeah. I want to watch a game with anybody. Anybody. And I want to eat snacks with anybody. I don't care what their political view is. I don't care what, who they like, the teams they like. You know, it's all of that that uh, I don't care. I don't care about the other <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You know, do I do I look at it and do I see what's happening in the world? Of course. But I'm not a guy that sits there. I can't watch the local news and this person did this and this person did that. They took down the statue of this in Little Italy. Mm. Does it irritate me a tiny bit? Sure. But not because I'm Italian. Just because I think it's silly to, mm. to vandalize or something like that. But at the end of the day, if you came up to me and said, hey, you want to go watch the Yankee game? <laughs> I would watch the Yankee game with that person. And I would still yeah. – it's just the way I am. Um, I don't, some, I don't, some things cut through, you know, sports, food. I mean, there's the, – you know, and actually we're, we've been missing both, sports and food. And uh, I, think, I think part of what we're seeing – like culturally is, is a byproduct of that. Yes. There's a, there's a lot of pent up energy that's not being spent in communal ways that are fun and, and healthy, you know? Yeah, and then throw in COVID, throw in COVID-19 yeah, yeah. into this. And, you know, not a, I look at the kids and I really do look at my kids and I'm not only proud of them for what they are doing in this time, but I'm amazed at their, their adaptability, the way that a, a six-year-old now has their world flipped upside down. Adults, mm. it's, it's flipped for us, too. But we're, we have the means to deal with it, or at least we try to. Six-year-olds, you know, wouldn't think have the skill set or the background to deal with that. But he is, right? He's learning. He, he can budget his time. That's something my wife mm. and I teach is budgeting your time, right? My kids, uh, Nate does, he gets a little bit more, but Marco, my six-year-old, does not get video games during mm. the week. Doesn't get video games or candy during the week. And that hasn't changed just because COVID and he's home all the time. He still doesn't get that. So I'm just amazed at what they're able to deal with and navigate through a day and not totally lose their bananas yeah. most, of the, most of the time. Yeah, give me some That's tips. <laughs> give me some tips. I, I agree. My my kids are really doing fantastic, but um, you know, you know but I but therapy, I therapy. I don't I don't have a lot of ideas. I'm not I'm not like the I'm not the best father in the world. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, but I, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> if your kids love you, Anthony, you're doing something right. Yeah, and they always really. love you. But if they if they want to be around you, I say. Yes. Not just love, right? You're, you're, the, the innate feeling is love. You have to have that, I guess. But to want to be around you and to want to hang out with you and to want to play a game and instead of doing their own thing, hmm. that's, 
that's proof positive for me that they don't they're unfiltered. My six year old will tell me I don't want to play with you right now. Yeah. But they don't, right? So I think the tips, first of all, is therapy. Hundred percent my therapist, who if I don't have that, you know, I might fly off the rails and okay. go crazy in this COVID. I mean, yeah. you know, what he's what he's taught me and I started seeing him about a year before my heart surgery. Mm. Or maybe six months before my heart surgery. And his whole thing, what he was able to distinguish talking to me within maybe a couple sessions was slowing down. Mm. He goes, you are top speed your whole life. Like you are top speed. You go from one thing to another. You're passionate about work. The way you talk to me, he was saying, the way you talk about someone accepting their offer and finding them and and the way you talk about cooking and eating and the way you talk about sports. My therapist is a gigantic Yankee fan from New York. He's down in Maryland and he's a huge Yankee fan, about 65 years old. And he, he's like, you got to slow down. I want to teach you to slow down because once you have your heart surgery, you're going to be forced to slow down. And you're not going to know what to do with yourself. He goes, yeah, you can watch your sports on TV. But what's going to fill up the other 21 hours? Mm. You know, instead of the Yankee game for three hours. So um, I think slowing down with the kids, that's what's, that's going back to that. That's what I've learned the most that helps me the most with the kids, slowing down. Not snapping as quick at them, realizing that they're going through the same thing you're going through with this weird time, realizing that they have opinions and whatever, just like I do. And just because he yells at me <laughs> doesn't mean to yell back. Mm. You know, there's sometimes, of course, when they do it. Hey, Matt, I'm going to pause for a moment. Matt, can you hear me? Okay, yeah, we were just glitching a little bit there. So um, as far as slowing down, do you have any, like, practical in the moment, like, micro tips at all? Like, do you have, like, a, like a keyword or something you say to yourself or pinch your, pinch your hand or something? Or? You know, I think of two things, and it's, it's, it's archaic. It does no, there's no... Mm -hmm. It's not some novel, you know, brand new. So it's first off is I think of uh, someone in my life that I've lost. Up until this point, it was someone, you know, either my grandpa mm -hmm. or whatever to who was super patient, mm. right? My grandpa was super patient. And, you know, I think of his name, I think of what he would do. So I, I immediately put that in my mind. Now I, I use my mother and I think of her immediately and it mm. immediately takes it from a 10 to a six or a seven just by doing that one thing. Because mm. it focuses you in on, what am I gonna yell at him for throwing a piece of putty on the wall? Yeah. When my mom was so patient with me who was a menace probably growing mm. up right i mean i was a nice kid but i was nuts i was involved in a lot of stuff so i use that first and then the other one is just counting <laughs> count to 10 count to 10 and look at their face mm. right i look at his face and, I, and immediately i'm like all right what are you gonna do blast this kid for what what's it gonna do 
is just going to yell back at you because they mirror everything that we do. So I take the 10 seconds. I think of my mom. And hopefully it dies from a 10 to a 3. Right? It's not going to go to zero. It never will with me, ever. Mm. Just because I have some irritation in me. That, <laughs> that It's why I go to therapy. And I'll continue to go for the rest of my life. Okay. So... I think that part is, uh, it's just slowing it down, right? It's not canceling it. It's just slowing it down a little bit, slowing down your reaction time. And I do it with my wife. You know, I'm not a go to bed angry guy, mm. but sometimes I'll tell her, look, I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm irritated right now. I'm not trying to go to bed angry. It's not what I'm trying to do, but I'll explain it to her. Yeah. I can't, I'm not leaving her in the dark. Because then, then you know, then that, that whirls into problems. But I'll tell her, look, I'm, I'm not in a place where I want to have a discussion right now. Like an hour-long discussion. Because I know that she has long discussions. Yeah. I said, but let's do it in the morning. When I have a cup of coffee, I didn't have a crazy day, I will revisit it with you. So that's the key, too, is even with my kids, if there's something I don't want to address right away with them, I'll tell them to go play, and then we'll talk about it later. And I think by that time, it dies down a little bit. And you can focus and be like, wow, I told them to wait a half hour. Within that 30 minutes, stuff almost hit the fan at work. Uh, this was crazy. I got this news that this was happening. And then once you get to that 30 minutes and you talk to them, it's the most insignificant problem in the world that you have. The fact that he did something. So I kind of, I'm not the... I'm not a huge enforcer of punishment uh, for things that aren't, that don't warrant it, I feel. There's behaviors that warrant punishment for kids, right? Not hit, I don't know, I never hit. I mean, I can't imagine ever doing that. But there's things that warrant it, right? You, you, you purposely throw a ball when I told you not to, and mm -hmm. it breaks the lamp. That's, you got to have a little bit of consequence there to understand what happened. Am I still going to go off the rails? Probably not. Just because I'm like, all right, it's a lamp. I'll fix it. It's not that big of a deal. So when you go, when you go from like a 10 to a 6 and then maybe down to a 3 or 4, what happens at the 3 or 4 level? What's the typical move you might make there? You know, a 3 or 4 level might, might be me having a little bit of irritation behind it, but not like a tyrant. And then being able to have a discussion yeah or to it's postpone not a, it's or, not a fun discussion because it's a three or a four or to postpone the discussion to at least be cognizant of like you know we'll talk about this in a half hour that's it it enables me to do that it enables me to step back and i'll say it a million times slow how, down how uh how on earth are you feeling tw uh 16 18 hours a day six-year-old uh without any devices um, so he gets a little bit of iPad, mm -hmm. a little bit, which is geared towards learning. Um, so whether it's, it's not really ABC mouse or anything like that. They have a couple of things that they use for kindergarten. So I extend those things as if he were still in school. Um, he actually goes to daycare now three days a week. That's mm -hmm. at the Greek church, which is where he went as a, a little boy. Okay. Um, and I trusted, right? It took, that took a while to get the trusting part, but mm. they put a lot of measures in place. And 
So that helps because he does have his outdoor activity. He loves being outside. Okay. So he'll go outside for an hour to play in the backyard. We have a nice backyard with a swing, you know, a whole playground area. Um, you know, we do, we make it a point to do bike rides as a family or walk around our neighborhood now that COVID came along. We do, you know, like a half hour to an hour walk, even when Nate is there, my 12 year old. So mm-hmm. it's, you try to fill it in, you let him watch, he gets some TV. Um, and then it's a matter of what we did figure it out yeah <laughs> you got every toy in the world you know it's and, and and it makes me laugh the thing that gets me the most that gets me not irritated but i wonder is i'm bored <laughs> what do you mean you're bored <laughs> like there's a thousand things you can do draw go draw make a craft take everything that you have oh just give me one second i'm uh there's like a major thing happening. <laughs> Ambulance is everywhere. Mm. Uh, wow. Wow. Um, there's a complete tractor trailer flipped over. Yeah, somebody's life is just up, upside down right now. Right now, you know, and that's so funny you say that. Mm. Denise and I think that all the time. Um, so going back to it, yeah, I mean, it's... You fill them up, you encourage him i let him sit with me sometimes and watch me work because he's fascinated by what's happening and the system that i'm using and he he likes to watch that but it's uh sometimes he just has to figure it out you know and look saturday comes it's like he was let out of jail Mm. but we're okay with that right because there has to be some sort of structure is the way we look at it you know bedtimes Nate, I'll give you an instance, 12-year-old bedtime. At his mom's, again, we split, you know, right down the middle and very mm-hmm. amicable and everything's great, but his mom will let him stay up to 1 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. But he sleeps late. He sleeps late. And that's okay. So he's getting his rest, but I'm a structure person. He knows when he comes to my house, 10 o'clock is the latest. And he's going to go up. And I don't care if he reads in bed for two hours, which he does. Are you a structured person by, uh, by, by personality, by your genes? Think you're a structured um, person, or is that something you think has developed in some way? Both. Both. I think it, it goes back to when we were little. I can remember going to bed. <laughs> this is my, I mean, I can remember going to bed after the Muppet Show was over, which... We're dating ourselves, right? But after the Muppet Show was older, and the ice cream truck was still outside, mm. and I could hear the ice cream truck Fortune. outside, and kids running to the ice cream truck, and me wondering, like, the Muppet Show just ended, and I'm going to bed. What's happening? And you, as you get older, and you realize the structure that your parents put into you, and you realize how part of a worker you are and how successful things are, not by what your job is at all. It's not what I'm saying. By how successful you are. You know, are you a good person? Uh, do you treat other people in a good way? Uh, you know, all of that all comes from structure and being around your family. And you and I, are ble- we're blessed with having that. I mean, I can't, there's not, you know, a lot of people I talk to did not grow up with what we grew up with, Anthony. Yeah. And I thank God every, every day I thank 
the fact that I can remember and, you know, my memory's not awesome anymore, but I can remember growing up and I can remember things we did as children, my brothers and I, and how happy we were as kids. Close, right? I mean, think about it. There's families don't exist that much. That many kids now, people are stopping. I can never have another child. I know for a fact, two is my limit. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I think it's just, uh, I don't know. Loving well, I, them. I, and, I have two questions and take either one, unless you want to combine yeah. them. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm interested when you said your, your, your life has coherence and your personality, like in, in all aspects. In other words, you feel like you're the same person, you're kind of integrated in all the different domains of your life. And I think that's somewhat not always so common. And my second question is, you, you just brought up the concept of success and like, how, would, how do you think or talk about it? I'll, I'll do, well, let's do both. Let's do the success one first. So first off, I, I look at it as, there's so many levels of success, right? One, is it easy to go to your job? Yeah, great, You're, you have a wonderful job and that's great, it's rewarding and are you helping people at all? You know, that's, that's the easy way of looking. That's how most people look at success, right? How much money do you have or anything like that? I'm blessed, right? Me and my wife both have really good jobs. I, I feel what I do is, is it saving the world? Not even close. Is it helping people that need jobs, right? And I get one and they help their family and now they can afford things for their family. And so I look at it as that's my way of, of doing it. That's about all I'm, you know, I'm not going to go into some philosophical about my job, right? Of how great I am and how great I help people. There's doctors for that and teachers for that, right? To, to take on that responsibility. But I still am proud of what I do. And my wife, I'm proud of what she does for the hospital and, and, and whatever. Then there's the level of family, right? And friends, right? So I measure not so much success, but I measure your happiness, right? So even if I have not, I don't have a job, but I have friends and family that love me and that I can talk to about anything and they understand me. And that's the second level, right? So even if you don't have the job, fine. As long as you got that, you're good. If you don't have that, are you still here? Am I still here? I went through heart surgery, open heart surgery. I'm here, right? I feel pretty damn good for having open heart surgery. I don't even think about my heart surgery, to be honest with you. I just think of that I'm here, that I feel good. Do I get my aches and pains? Yeah. Does it make me think, uh-oh, something might be wrong? Mm. Sure it does. That's a natural thing because I went through a major surgery. But... So it all goes to, that's how I look at it is it goes, you know, the job, that's wonderful. But do I have my friends and family? And if not, if nobody's around and I'm by myself, how do I feel? Right? How do I feel? I feel good. I'm here. I'm going. I'm going strong. That's it, man. I'm, that's, that's, uh, it's not so much success. It's happiness and success, I would say. Because if you have those things, you're always going to be all right is how I feel. Do you ever have, uh, do you have dark thoughts or do you have any like, yes. habitual returning? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking for specific demons or anything, but just like, it sounds like you said, even when you were alone, 
have a strategy for remaining positive. That's what I, I do, but okay. but I'd be lying if I said I didn't have thoughts mostly at night, mm. <laughs> which is when our our brains start to hyper focus on a on a topic because there's no escaping, there's no uh, alternatives to your day. You're you're laying on the pillow, and unless you want to pick up your phone or something and distract yourself, it's you and your thought, right? So and sometimes that's a really good thing. Sometimes I do a lot of my thinking and, you know, with me where I try to come up with comedy stuff, that's mostly where my stuff comes up is when I'm laying there and I crack myself <laughs> up almost laying by myself while my wife is sleeping and I'm laughing at, at something by myself. So, but those thoughts at night, yeah, I do have dark thoughts. I think mostly the thought is not so much a pain or anything like that. It's more, oh no please don't let something happen to me early and let my children not have mm -hmm. their daddy. Yeah. That's my thought. It's never about me dying and me, the feeling of me dying. Oh no, I'm going to be hurt. Or mm. it's not about that. <laughs> it's, it's more about leaving Denise who will be strong and will be great, but leave it. It's my kids. It's always about my kids. Right. I, I do 90% of the things I do. Nah, not 90. 75 are for my kids i think if they're happy and i see them smiling and there's so many times even now with sports i'll you know daddy can i put on peppa pig and it's like the bottom of the eighth or whatever it is or seventh and can i put on you know and so it's all about them anthony so i think the dark thoughts come around that but that's it it never goes past that, like, oh, no, I don't want to die. Or It's really, what will my kids do? Will they be okay? And they will. They will. And that's what gets me through it is, God forbid something happens, they're going to be all right. It'll be, they'll be in pain, but they'll be all right. And so, you know, that's, that's how I sort of get through the dark thought. But that's really it. That's the only dark thoughts I have. So, so even when I try to get you to talk about dark stuff, you end up talking about laying in bed, cracking up, coming up with comedy. So Yeah, I don't yeah. spend a lot of time yeah. on that part. I don't, just, I don't, I really don't. I don't spend a lot of time on it. I feel like I'm a happy guy in general yeah. and, and I don't need much, Anthony. I feel like you're the same exact way, right? I feel like if, if I'm just there with a book, I'm happy. Or if I'm there with any game on, any game, it doesn't matter. I love it. And if I'm just there with my kid and just sitting there, it's so easy for me to be okay. You've, you've always been sort of a grandpa ever since childhood. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the Italian grandpa, you know, in sixth grade. I want to sit there. <laughs> give, me a glass, give me a glass of a diet iced tea. Are you glad you had heart surgery? And, and also, forgive me for forgetting the details, but could you tell me yeah. what that was again? Like, well, yeah, so I, I know I it was had, an unusual situation. It was unusual, Anthony. So I was born 42 years later, 41 years later from being born. I started to have pains in my neck. And I thought, well, am I just out of shape? Am I getting tired? It was, every, it was all the time, right? It was really happening when it was cold out. Mm. And now that I look back, it's because your things constrict when it's cold. Your body constricts, right? It's why... It's why we're told to keep our chests covered and, and, and warm 
And so the circulation of our heart and our blood is working well, right? All of that. So I was getting these pains and especially, I remember it happening. I was at a Giants game and the game was over. My brother and I were running back to my, our car to get out of the parking lot, as my brother always does. Running <laughs> in the cold to beat everybody to the car so we could get out of the parking lot. And I remember getting to the car and literally feeling like I was going to have a heart attack or something. So much pain and, and I knew, and I had to take a and breathe for five minutes in the car. My brother said, what's up? And I was like, something's wrong, man. Went to the doctor with encouragement from my wife because sometimes we... Oh, you, didn't, you, didn't, don't. you didn't go that night then? Oh, no, no. This was, oh, yeah, okay. let it go. I waited and told my wife. She's like, what are you doing? She's like, you need to check up anyway. Please go get your heart checked and all that stuff. Mm. So I did. Um, her being the senior director in the you know, University of Maryland Medical Center, I have really good hookups to mm. all the chiefs and some of the best care that, period, you're going to get. So I, I saw the chief of cardiology, and he said to me, they did some tests, and I had what's called a regurgitation, right? Your heart's, half of the blood's pumping out of your heart, but half of it was going back into the heart, which enlarges it, Anthony. That's what mm. happens. And I almost had the heart of a 400-pound uh, guy. Mm just because it was getting enlarged from all this work it was doing and only pumping half of the, you can picture that with anything, right? All the pressure and something going full speed, but only working halfway, it's going to combust at some point. Yeah. So uh, he checked me out and I found out and he said, the worst case scenario <laughs> is you'll need open heart surgery. And the worst thing would be is that your valve is bicuspid, which means... It's a, a normal valves for your heart are tricuspid. It almost looks like a Mercedes symbol that opens and closes so rapidly that the blood can't go back in. I only had two instead of three points. So it didn't have, it didn't close as quick. And mm. eventually 41 years later, it built up. And that's what I was feeling. So the uh, surgery was to go in and put a new valve in my heart and while they were in there, I didn't know this, they found an aneurysm and they had to do a bypass. Hmm. So hearing that, it, you asked me, was it good, was I happy I had heart surgery? Damn straight that I was happy my valve wasn't working because that's something they can fix and know and see. The other stuff they couldn't really see as much and luckily, when they went in, they were able to fix it. Right? So who knows what would have happened, right? So I, so I even look at my heart surgery as a blessing, to answer your question. Yeah. Um, I also, at the time, was in a really stressful place with work. And I felt like, this is crazy, I would love to go through heart surgery again to get out of work for three months. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not lying. It was so stressful, my work situation that I felt like the three months off, after the first month of healing and recuperating, I felt pretty good after a month. My chest still hurt, they, you know, they saw, whatever, without getting into the details, they, they cut you open, man. Mm. And yeah, if your pain is here, you can't lift a gallon of milk even, or not, you have no strength. But I built that back up, and then after a month, I'm sitting home and I realize I have two months of being home, not responsible for work, 
and I was feeling kind of okay. So I went to the movies and I went to the casino and I went to, I went out to lunch myself and by my, and would eat lunch all the time by myself and sit mm. there. And, and I got to tell you, when you asked if it was a good, I'm happy. Yes. So the blessing was I found something else wrong that I maybe wouldn't have exploded some other time. And I got to recuperate my mind and get away from a stressful situation at work for three months. And then when I went back, I switched teams to the team I'm on now. And it's the big, the best thing that's ever happened for work. So it all, it all kind of led to a change in my life in a bunch of different ways. I, I keep, I keep hearing the Italian grandpa theme running through my head, <laughs> even with the heart surgery, you know, you're ahead of your time constantly. Going to the 40, casino. 42 with open, I tell people they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, do you want to, you want to see the scar or watch the video? I actually have the video of the surgery because I was the first patient in Maryland and second in the United States, it was happening at the same time, the same day, to receive this special valve that was just approved. And it was in the UK for years, and they finally approved that I was the first one in Maryland and second person in the United States to get this valve. And nice. so they videoed my whole thing. They did it complete. I gotta send it to you. You'll, yeah. uh, you'll, you like would enjoy watching it. So. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh. It looks like um, a uh, like a marionette in my chest is what it looked like. What That's, what what do you do for work now? I am I'm a client lead, so a recruiting manager, client lead for uh, Amazon's devices, uh, the software and service. So I'm in charge of all of North America um, for the software and the services of devices. So you have a Kindle tablet, mm. you have a Fire Stick, you have an Echo. The software and the services that are provided hey, for those. Matt, hang, hang on just one second, right? Yep, yep. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, Matt, I just had a little interruption. I had to uh, say good morning <laughs> to my daughter and set her up. I'm used to day. that. Yeah, All and, day. and she, she, she said, I thought that was you on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh he looks just like you. <laughs> we all come from the same cloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is your technical uh, title? And and, I am a trust, and, trust, and trust me, I know nothing about this world yeah, at all. Yeah, that's so, great. So tell me, like I'm, you know, tell me, like I'm completely naive. Yeah, I am a senior client lead recruiter for Amazon's devices, software, and service in North America. Which means? Which means I recruit um, for Amazon's, so Amazon devices, we know what that is, right? We know I have fire sticks and tablets and all of that. Yeah. My group is in charge of the software for those and the services provided for those, such as frustration-free setup when you get your tablet. Mm -hmm. That's one of the groups that's under my umbrella. Uh, and what I do is hire for those groups across North America. So it revolves a lot around software development managers, mm. project engineers, software development engineers, your, your coders, your programmers. So similar to what Eric. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I watched that and I heard as a programmer, you know, it's, it's I, I, I can understand where he's coming from and, and the things that he's working on. Urgency alert. Oh. 
Apparently there's a tornado coming, but that's okay. All right. <laughs> why, why wouldn't there be? Why wouldn't there be? Um, do you have to know, so do you have any of the knowledge that Eric would have, or do you have a totally different set? I have a, I have a set, right? I come from a sales background, you know yeah. that. So um, I don't have the knowledge that they have, not even close. They're brilliant. Mm -hmm. They're brilliant. Uh, and I've come to see that, you know, mm -hmm. even someone out of school with two years, three years experience, the way that their mind works, you have to be a special person to be able to, to work in that, in that way. I know a lot of what happens now and what leads to what and the different phases of how, what a programmer has to go through and uh, designing systems and things like that. There's different things for each person, whether you're a front end engineer or whether you deal with the back end of it and the web services part of it. Uh, do you handle the, the quality assurance piece of it? Are you testing for bugs? Mm. Uh, all of that, right? It's like a chain. This person develops this. We need QA people to check it out. It goes for anything. There's quality assurance in everything we do, right? Even a you as a teacher, whatever. There's quality assurance happening when they're reviewing curriculum and whatever. And mm. uh, so, that type of stuff. I think it's, uh, I know enough. I constantly, so this is where I might be a little different. Uh, I don't mind uh, being super vocally self-critical about myself. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know something, I don't I have no, I have no problem admitting I don't know that. Like, yes. Please tell me, please enlighten me on what that is because I'm then going to use that for my next conversation. And it's the only way I've been able to understand sort of what these programmers do. Mm. I know enough to say that I would never want to do it. I don't have that, that ability to sit in front of that computer and just wail away at the keyboard yeah. without having super, super interaction with people. And you're, you're, I mean, your job is super high interaction, I would imagine, right? I, I mean, yeah, I, I have <laughs> upwards tell me, of- tell me, about, tell me about like the, the practical elements. Yeah, what do you, do? Um, you know, they, they task me with, here, Matt, here's the jobs we need to fill. Hmm. Um, you know, at any given time, it's between 40 and 50 different jobs. It's Amazon. Yeah. So <laughs> they don't stop hiring. Um, even in a pandemic, it gets busier. Hmm. So, you know, Matt, here's what we have to find. I then will schedule a conversation with the manager. Let's talk about it. Let me see what's, what makes this person different from other from another job with the same title? What are the nuances you're looking for? And then now it's time to go find them. So, you know, I have ways of, that I've developed over 18 years of recruiting to say, I know how to find these people, where to go, how to, you know, do a, a three line search string inside of Google. Mm. That'll pull up people's resumes that you would never find on a job board. Okay. You know, so creative ways, Anthony. I'm not. I'm not sitting on Monster.com, finding a resume. Those people are not the people that are. I'm going to find for my jobs. You don't have software development managers that are basically applying to a job at Amazon. If they're that good, they're either working or they have, or they're in. They're they're through LinkedIn or whatever it is. They've gotten their name touched on. Um, so then I put them through a whole process. I interview them myself. You know, I talk to them, make sure they can handle just at least talking to me because the conversations that are going to occur after that are tough. Mm. 
you know, we're, so uh, for instance, the vice president of my group, which I handle, Devices, Software, and Service, his name is Charlie Ward, and he's the guy that developed Amazon Prime. Hmm. Okay. He was the engineer that came up with the idea for it and put it in a suggestion box hmm. 20, whatever, whatever, you, how many years ago it was, and he developed Amazon Prime. And he's extremely humble, extremely grounded. He's been with Amazon 21 years, mm. which is an eternity, considering Bezos is only there for 25. Mm. Um, so he was like the 101st person hired at Amazon, period. Right? So this is a guy I get to work with every day, yeah. learn from him. Um, but it's a matter of just finding people that fit into the mold of that we get them we put them through interviews they get interviewed we, i i do a debrief with them i prep them for the it's a full process from finding them to finally extending the offer and then getting them aboard right but when i hire them the best part is for me if it's a manager level which most of my jobs are i now get to have a different relationship with them and as a manager i'm now hiring for them for yeah. the team that they're going to start and what you get is you get a built-in trust level with them because you've been working with them for two months and you found them out of nowhere and you've learned about their life. You've learned about their children, whether they're married or not, or what they love to do. And I now have a relationship with this person and then I try to continue and foster those relationships. And then again, you keep building trust that way. Yeah. And the network. Grows. My my brother is gonna love listening to this section of the of the chat. I follow your brother a lot. Yeah, he's what a he's doing? a con, he's a contestant producer for various TV shows, <laughs> and part part of what he does is just find people and get to know them and learn about their life and try to sort of reshape their story in a way that translates to TV. And and sometimes their lives change because they win you know twenty five thousand dollars or something. And, no, and no. Uh, it's pretty cool. So can, does, does anybody, do people know your name? Like, do they find you or is it more like you would find them? You know, um, through, I mean, if you Google my name, it's going to come up with Amazon stuff probably. Um, but I mean, somebody, somebody who's looking for that type of position, yeah. would they know, would they know to seek you out or not so much? Not so much. I mean, unless they're on LinkedIn, you know, look, I have a ton of connections on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's pretty, and I, I post some messages here and there, but I have jobs under me. So for that reason, yeah, but if you said, hey, this guy, Matt Marino, they would say, who the hell is that? Yeah, which is nice. Which is good, right, exactly. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm known when I start engaging. And when I, when I start engaging and I get on the hunt, people will know me because I'm saturating with messages oh, okay. and it's, it's relentless. Mm. Because that look, these people that I'm dealing with, while everybody might say, oh, it must be so easy to hire someone at Amazon. Why wouldn't they want to work there? Well, the, op the answer is because they have three other offers with Facebook, Google, and wherever else. Yeah. And all of those are pretty good companies too. And they're going to make a lot of money no matter which one they go to. So you really have to separate yourself, which is where I take pride in the relationship building that I do with a candidate on the front end instead of treating them as like a number, right? I try to be completely personal with them and get in my life with them and how Amazon is, 
how it's my life has changed since I started at Amazon. And I don't think that that's happening with the run of the mill recruiter at another company. Okay. So you're going to do a lot more first person stuff when you're uh... A ton. Okay. All right. Even even to the offer, even to the offer stage, Anthony, where I get personal and go into what my offer was and how I've been able to do things in my life with how the offer is structured with stock. And, and I just believe in being transparent with them because then they can actually see, wow, so my stock is going to come in year two and you can sell some of that. Well, and you can put it towards whatever you want. And so I put it in my kids' college funds, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, I talk about that and it gives a level of... So you, wow, you paint, so the, you paint the whole do. picture. Yeah, you paint the picture of the, the full package. Um, when you started this industry, uh, I don't know how long you've been recruiting for, but what was... About 18 what, years. What was that like? And what was your initial skill set? And how much faking did you have to do to sort of work your way into it? So I was in sales out of college for MetLife. Hmm. Worked under my brother, which was the hardest thing in the world. People think that was I had it made. It was quite the opposite. Um, if you know my brother, Michael. Yeah. He's very, very rigid and, uh, <laughs> and uh, very tough on me, which was a blessing. Um, and I was in sales and I love, I love sales. I love talking to people. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. And I just, you know, 9-11 hit and I had to deliver as a 20, how old were we? 25, right? I think we were 25. Mm. As a 25 year old, I had to deliver now a bunch of death claims, mm. death checks right? To these widows. Um, one of my clients was Cantor Fitzgerald. And I had a bunch of people from Cantor Fitzgerald that I had yeah. that had major policies. We're talking three or $4 million death benefits. So here I am 25 trekking into Manhattan all to deliver a check for 4 million bucks, let's say to a widow mm. and her children are there and they're crying to me. And I'm like, wow, life insurance sales, this is the bad part of it. You know, look, on, on one end, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's not asking them for anything. I'm bringing them something to really help their family, let them know that their husband or wife took care of them, mm. thought of them to take care of them. Anthony, I'm 25. That is not what I signed up for. Right. That was, that was emotional seeing like on a given week, I'd have two people, I'd go into their houses to them weeping. Hmm. I mean, I couldn't handle it anymore. So I was like, I got to get out of this thing. And I love sales. So I want to do something with sales. One of my clients who I sold life insurance to him and his wife at their dinner table told me, he's like, look, I'm a recruiting manager for us, for a, a staffing agency. He goes, if no one has been able to, it's tough to sell me something in my house even and sit at my dinner table where I eat with my children. But you were able to sell my wife who is impossible. He goes, you were able to sit here and sell us both policies Mm. at our dinner table because you were you, because you were a normal guy. He goes, I would love to have you as a recruiter because I can only imagine you 
selling people for jobs and selling them a job and getting them to accept their offer. He's like, I can only imagine how good you would be. He mm. says, if you ever decide to leave life insurance, give me a ring. So I did. I gave him a ring, taught, went in, did like a, a day in the office with him. Um, and I already had a trust level with him, which was huge. Mm-hmm. So uh, I decided I was going to make the move. I liked what I saw. I got to go to different companies during the day and see if they needed people to, you know, hired, if they had a job opening, if they were having trouble filling it, how could I help? It was awesome. It was me out in the world selling and, and then I would get to talk to people about getting them the job, which they really needed. To me, it was a win. Like I'm selling jobs to people. Mm. I don't have to worry about anybody dying. Yeah. And I told my brother, which was the hardest thing. I said, I'm leaving. And he was like, what did I do wrong? (laughs) I mean, it was like, but I said, you know, going to these giant games every week, as you know, I had season tickets. I still had season tickets. I was sitting there with my brother and he would always grill me about work. Mm. And I'm like, this is not fun. Like you as my manager is good, but we're going to the giant game. We're not talking about that. So when I left him, it was the hardest thing I had to do, tell him. But I said to him, I said, now I could be your brother again. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so that made our relationship so much better. And we then had the greatest times. And, and, you know, he, now we talk about it and he goes, you're, you're so successful. You've, you've jumped so and made things happen for yourself. It's not easy to get hired at Amazon. It's a super tough bar to get in. And he's like, you killed it. And you got promoted and you're mm. a lead. And he's like, it was the best thing you ever did. And I said, no kidding. And I said, and, and then I laughed. And I said, yeah, we got to enjoy the games for the next 14 years or whatever, whatever it was. So, you know, I love, I have sales in my blood. Recruiting is sales. I just have two different customers, right? I have a candidate and I have a manager that I have to sell both into. So it's matchmaking, Anthony. And I did a presentation on how recruiting is matchmaking. You know, you have your initial date, you know, you chat on the phone, you have your initial date, you meet up, right, for that first interview. Things go along, you talk to them a little more about the job. Then you have them meet with your friend, who's like the first interviewer. Then after that, they have to come on site for their final interview. That's meeting the family. Yeah. <laughs> right, all of that. So I did it. And it's, it's, it's funny when you think of it that way. And I mentioned that to candidates and they laugh. And it's, um, so it's still sales. I have sales in my blood. It's just I'm getting people jobs instead of bringing them a death check. Interesting. Have you done any formal study of persuasion or uh, interpersonal stuff? or communication or is it sort of just organically developed yeah it's organic um i am i don't have a script i never mm-hmm. go off of a script there are scripts for recruiting that they hand out to you and, and anywhere and especially you know look i i work with a lot of newer workers mm. <laughs> in the world so 25 or less mm. um and I'm a mentor to a lot of them. They look up to me as, you know, uh, having a backbone. One thing Amazon is encourages and hires. They have, they have leadership principles, Amazon, that they follow. There's 14 leadership principles. And, you know, I apply them in my daily routine, too. Mm. It's funny how I bought in 
and one of them is having a backbone and disagreeing and commit. That's one of the leadership principles they want you to have. So they measure you on the interview and ask you times that you've disagreed with your manager mm-hmm. and why and what was the outcome and what happened? What did you do? And, and did you stick to it? Even though if you, you think that every, you know, look, if there's 100 people that say the sky is blue and I'm one and I say it's green because I have data that it's green, mm-hmm. I'm sticking with green. You're not going to tell me any differently. Now, when I'm wrong, which I probably will be in that case, mm-hmm. I'm going to come back around, though, and I'm going to be vocally self-critical and say, look, that's on me. But I had data, and I'm going to follow my data. But now that I'm wrong, we prove it. Let's hear what you have to say. As two Amazon trucks pull onto the road that I'm on yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. So it's, um, it's, it's organic, and it's Can you all advise- of that. And- do you have any like generic or general advice for, let's say, some potential client who's going to sit down with you for the first time? I, I know you're going to say just be yourself, but in addition to that, um, be you have to be empathetic. Every situation is completely different, so you need to be empathetic and understand what's motivating them. No, no, no for, advice make... advice that you would give to them. I mean, oh, advice to them. Oh, yeah. wow. Um. So with a candidate, let's say you're speaking, right? Mm-hmm. So first thing I would, I would always tell them up front, and I think this helps, is I'm very excited to get you in the process for Amazon, and I want you to work at Amazon. It's more important to me that you find the right fit for your next career for your family, wherever that is. So if we're going along, and I feel that this might not be the right move for you, I'm going to let you know that, mm-hmm. right? And I think that there's times when they get an, two offers, ours and somewhere else, and I know that the other offer makes more sense for them or that the other job is better for them. And I tell them to turn down our offer, right? So I think that's the part that I separate myself and that I want them to know is I actually care that you get the right things for your family. I have children. And I know what a good job makes the relationship you can have at home or what a stressful one has, which is what I came from. So I think Mm. that's my advice to them. It's just make sure you're picking the right opportunity for your family and your, and and yourself, not just because you want a job at Amazon. And that's my main advice to them. What if somebody's sort of obscure, but very talented and they have, you know, no, no sort of, uh, I don't know, outward credentials that are obvious and they want to get into this sort of position. Um, is there anything that person could do? You know, and they have, they have the chops, they have the, have the skills. Is there anything you could offer that person advice-wise? You know, it depends on how aligned they are with the job that they're looking at, right? So if they're looking at something and they're not aligned, I'm going to be blatantly honest with them and say, I think it's good that you want to get into this. You're going to have to get training or experience in it somewhere. So I'm very honest Mm. in a nice way. Um, But I just know where it would go if I started to put them through the process. It would be an extremely frustrating process to them. Yeah. And that's the last thing I ever want to do for a candidate is be discouraging. So very, very few people you hire are finding you. It's you finding them imagine yes unless they are 
which is one of the things I love is an, an employee referral. When someone refers mm. them to me, that's, I take that as a, you know, like go, go talk to Matt. That's the times I really enjoy those conversations because now I know someone I've hired thinks enough of me to say, you're in good hands with Matt. Yeah. Go talk to him. That's the, uh, that's the ultimate flattery for me. Have you, uh, have you developed, have you had any leaps in your life? Uh, let me get this question right. Leaps where you're at one stage and then you had to overcome something very difficult and through the overcoming, through resolving the problem, sort of changed your directory, your, your uh, trajectory in some way. Is that question bringing anything to mind at all? Or yeah, not so much? instantly, instantly, Anthony. So for me, I was dealing with this other group at Amazon. Um, and this question doesn't have to be per, like work related, but just a yeah, it question. is. It, I get it, and it, but it definitely brings me to that point where hmm. I was dealing with a team that was they hated recruiting. They hated it. They didn't believe in it. They thought they they thought they knew how to recruit better. And these are software people, it's, you know, stay in your lane. <laughs> so I was, I was defensive. I was defensive. And I was with a manager. I got tossed around to a couple different managers in the same team. And I never had a, a good sit down with them. And so I didn't know the personalities of the team, really. Nobody guided me in that I was thrown into this group. Then I left there and got with my manager who originally hired me, went back to her, who I thought was is outstanding. She's great. Uh, and we had a sit down and we, look, this group that I came to was also a group that was having issues with recruiting. They were difficult. They didn't believe in the people that were before me. So we had a sit down and it was like a eureka moment where we talked about not being defensive and being consultative, uh, consultative, in, in, you know, uh, consultative in a different way. And, and I, start, I said, all right, let me try that. Because my other go-to would have been to really be strong with the manager, right? And go at them a little bit. Because I feel like that's what they need sometimes. Well, I did it the other way now. And it was a, a moment where I went in there, I listened, instead of being taking charge and be like, I got this, let me go in there and tell mm -hmm. them how it's done in recruiting. And I took the other approach and I listened for my manager, understood what the pain points were. And from that day on, my relationship, they are, we are like this, right? And it was all because I was able to earn their trust in the beginning by doing that. And that, what, it, what did it take me, 40 years of my life mm -hmm. to understand that you don't have to be a tough guy all the time to do that and it took a very wise manager who she is where she is for a reason and she's younger than me mm. you know she's six years younger than me and that was the other thing is I let my guard down it taught me to let my guard down and, and accept and learn all the time that I wasn't too New York or New Jersey these people are Seattle it's a different mindset right and I didn't have to be the tough guy. I didn't have to be aggressive. And that was a moment for me. And it was, I use it every day now. 
And it helps me with the kids. It helps me with my kids in listening to them and learning something from them. And Marco taught me something the other day. He taught me the juice boxes. Juice boxes, which every kid spills and squeezes. Those two flaps on the side, on the top, like a carton, if you peel them up, those are called wings. Mm. And that's how you grab the juice box that a gold spill. Thank I you, was, Marco. Okay, I'll be sure to pass floored. that along. <laughs> I was floored. I was floored. And I was like, you are awesome. And I just told him, I said, that was awesome, buddy. Thank you for teaching me that. And Nate constantly teaches me things. I mean, he's starting to code now as a 12-year-old. So he's in that line of work, right? So I can talk to him about that. And, and I've hooked him up with engineers at Amazon. I took him to Amazon with me and taught him that you always want to learn. And daddy always learns. And so it, that's, that's the moment, man. My man. Me going up with my new manager and having a really heart-to-heart sit-down, she was awesome. Would you uh, would you identify yourself as a as a learner? Uh, hold on, hold on. Like if if you had five adjectives or so to describe yourself, would, would learner be one of them? Oh awesome. yeah. What makes you say so? Yeah, I I definitely think that, and you know, I I think having I don't know how people you know people view therapy and whatever. I, it has a stigma to it, right? We all know that. Um, but being able to let your guard down and and be completely open and have someone be critical as well, if you're, you know, not in a horrible way, but, and then have someone teach you to slow down. And so I definitely would consider myself a learner and open to learning, which is, a, you have to be open to it. But I think I'm definitely a learner. I'm also someone who will learn something pretty quickly or try to at least and think I did and then try to spread it. Right. Not easy sometimes, right? When, you're, when you maybe don't have a grasp of the full material that you learned to try and then flip it and try to teach others. So can I think I did that to a fault sometimes. Can you give me an example? Um... It can be, let's say my therapist, right? Learning to slow down and, and take a breath and then, you know, being the end all be all, like I know everything now and I want to tell everybody, all you got to do is slow down. And <laughs> yeah. there's so many variables and things. And, you know, it's like learning a, a new thing for work, a new way to source or a new way to find candidates and going out and being like, well, here's what you got to do. Not realizing that other people are sourcing different jobs and the, bump, the method I'm using might not work for them for what they're looking for. So I think I tend sometimes to jump the gun a little bit and try to teach what I think I know and what I've learned, which I really haven't fully learned it yet. And I think that's my, that's my flaw. One of my flaws is trying to, uh, and I don't think I'm doing it in a, in a bad way to, to be like, I know everything. It's more like, hey, I just learned this. I'd love to share it with you but I'm doing it in without having a full knowledge of everything. And uh, I think that's a fault sometimes. Rooted in, rooted in enthusiasm, I would imagine. It is. That's what it is, Anthony. I get excited. I get overly excited with a lot of things. How's the comedy going? 
it's good. I still do it. I'm I'm writing things down, and uh, you know, it was. Uh, <laughs> I I looked at COVID, you know, as being. It makes me laugh, right? With with where we're at right now, and I think of. I think of you know someone robbing a bank or and how awesome of a time it is for crime and things like that. Like what a good time to be a criminal. I mean, a really, it's amazing time to be a criminal, right? And the, there's no facial recognition anymore. It doesn't yeah. matter anymore. So, and you can get away with it. So I thought of that and these are the things that come to my mind. And just, you know, I saw a homeless guy on the street and there's a lot of that in Baltimore and I always feel for yeah. them. and. I actually was envious for a second. <laughs> and I was like, I'm a little envious. This guy sitting there, he had a, like a, a tent thing. He had a dog with him. He had like a, a Gatorade in his hand. And I thought to myself, it was like a really nice day out. And I thought to myself if I, that a little piece of me was envious that he didn't have to deal with. He didn't have a mask on because he's outside. And I was like, I feel envious of this homeless guy. Yeah, and you, you're, <laughs> and I don't know you're... if that's comedy, but I was. It made me laugh. It made me laugh. I'm like, you know, buddy, you might not have it so wrong. You don't have bills or anything. <laughs> you might not have it that wrong. You don't have technology to worry about all the time, and you know, you're probably not hearing all the bad things. And but uh, but no, the comedies are right. And, some things I'll say. What I'm what I'm learning is I'm not so much of a a stand up comedy guy. That's okay. not really me. My 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 niche, if I'll, if I'll say that word, whatever, is commenting on things that I'm seeing. Almost like being on a radio show and commenting on what they're talking about. A couple a couple funny things. Move on to the next thing. So how so, often so how often are you how often are you in the car? Am I in? How often? How often are you in the car? Not a ton anymore. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you. Not a ton anymore. It's, it makes me sad that I'm not in the car a ton. I like. I do it to go drive my son to whether it's there, but that's like a 15 minute drive. Are you going to start turning the camera on yourself a little more often now, or the microphone? Are you starting a podcast or something? You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. If, if you were if you were to start a podcast just for kicks, not you know, not even to try to get an audience, just for fun, yeah. What uh, what would the title possibly be or the theme? It would be sports. Okay. It would be sports. It Any would kind be, of angle? You know, it would be sports. It would be food. Um, you know, I love this these guys and this one guy particularly, the barstool sports guy, I think, who goes around and has pizza, a slice of pizza at every place. Hmm. Right. That's to me, that's, that's, a nice life. Yeah. that's life, brother. That's it, man. Eating a piece of pizza, and he gets a plain slice of pizza, which I think is the only way to truly understand if a piece of pizza is good. Eat a plain slice. I have a recommendation for you, although I'm, um, sure, the I'm sure the title's already taken, but uh, yeah, slowing down. Oh, man. That would be it. You know, that's your wheelhouse, and uh, you, obviously, you obviously live a pretty uh, busy and high-pressured life in many respects so if not for the that, slowing if not for the slowing down part you know your life would probably eat you up so 
it would, that would be really good and it would be yeah. there's so much to do with slowing down too that's yeah. the best part it's not and it really it cuts area. it cuts across it cuts across every boundary possible because you no know no doubt whether you're you or me or, or anybody else we're looking at no doubt probably uh relevant you know it makes me laugh slowing down even with sports like i'm watching the yankees and red sox last night and i know it's a shortened season and you know i get it it doesn't mean as much you can't tell that to me right i don't there's no i don't i don't have a i don't have a thought process behind watching a game i don't uh, you know I, I i appreciate the game and i appreciate the the strategy behind it so that and when i say no thought process uh, it's it's i could be like it was a normal part of the game and we were very quiet my wife and i were sitting there she was showing me houses down the beach that we're looking to buy and out of nowhere <laughs> it was just literally one bad strike call <laughs> yeah. and it was <laughs> it was like it was it was Owen uh, one and oh on the count so it wasn't three and two he didn't strike yeah. out yes yeah and it was a little high the pitch and he called it a strike <laughs> and out of nowhere in the midst of looking at these beautiful houses and I lost it I lost Can't it. Be helped. L- listen, I mean, early second quarter Knicks game, you know, uh, a four-point Knicks game uh, halfway through the season, you see a three-second violation and you jump up off the couch. Three seconds! <laughs> My dad's going to ask me for that. In the next 15 minutes, you're gone. I have, a, I have a final question for you. Yeah. Before I have to set my kids up with breakfast. Mm. And, uh... Let's pre- let's pretend, and, and hopefully it'll be the case that this this video is existing on the internet or whatever the next thing is, post yep. internet. And uh, your children have grown up, and your siblings are still around, and maybe their kids are there, and uh, and they find this somehow. <laughs> they stumble upon this, and they get they watch it all the way to the end somehow, and uh, you have something to say to them at that point. This is what, me. What might it be? This is me. What you, you should, nothing should come as a surprise to you, is what I would say to them. Nothing. Um, I am who I am. Pop, I said it the best, man. That's it. I am who <laughs> I am. Uh, and I am what I am. Um, and that, I just want to have fun, man. I just want to have fun in my life. And I am. I'm having fun. I'm having fun every day. Whether it doesn't show sometimes, I'm having fun every day. I don't need much. I need them. I need my family. I need my friends. I need my sports. And I need food. Other than that, I'm good. And I need to laugh. Yeah. I hope this was fun for you. I would do it every day, Anthony. (laughs) It's kind of a weird thing to do. But I would do that, it right? every day, and you know what? It, what it's making me think as a final thing is, aside from this interview, structured interview, uh, we need to talk more. Mm. That's what it's making me think of right now. That's the thought I have in my mind right now. Is that we need to talk more? I always feel a sense of calm. After I talk to you, I feel a sense of uh, bringing me back to a simpler time 
when there wasn't so much around because we can reference that and we have a good past with that and joking around and um, I and I think of how you have the same dynamic in your family growing up and how good of a father you are and those types of things. I don't have that with everybody that I talk to. I don't have many close, close friends, Anthony, that I mm. consider close friends or want to talk to all the time. I don't. I've lost touch with a lot of people. I'm a little sad about it. But at the same time, they don't reach out either. You know what I mean? So It happens, yeah. I feel yeah. like, and, and we're grown up, right? And it happens. But I feel like uh, when I talk to you, I constantly feel it's almost like therapy. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's how I feel when I get out of my therapist. I feel outstanding when I get out yeah, of him. I feel good, too. And I always have a, a handful of new perspectives, which is... Which and is I always tell Denise. I always tell Denise. And then she got a chance to meet you. And, I, you know, I always... I mean, I'm always talking about you. And, uh, and how you're one of my friends that I grew up with that I still talk to, but that I've never gotten an argument with yet. Never, yeah. Never. Can't imagine that. Yep. We'll have to change that next time. All right. And we disagreed. And we disagreed <laughs> about things. Yeah. But never an argument about it. And I cherish that, that we don't have, that I've never, you and Chad Hemingway were the two people I've never had an argument with in my life. Yeah, same. I could relate so to that. I thank, I thank you for that, but let's talk more. Let's talk more. It's a deal. It's a deal, thank buddy. Thank Thank you for this. Say hello to your family. Give give them my love uh, and and my uh, my parents say hello and the whole thing. And, uh, you as well. You yep. as well, man. Please say hi to everybody and uh, I love you, brother. Yeah, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, man. Okay, man. Thanks. Bye, All right. See ya. Drive Thanks. safe. You too.